Welcome to Weekday Worship. Weekday Worship. Uh, I thought you were going to be a little bit less enthusiastic because you were not feeling well today. <laughs> I forced that one up. <laughs> it was like a, like a bad shot attempt in a basketball yeah. game. I like just, just kind of forced it. Yeah, you partied a little too hard over Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> James Party. is feeling it. Uh, we did party hard, man. It was uh, our oldest son turned 20 and had Memorial Day. And um, Do you remember when you were 20? Heavens. Uh, <laughs> that's half a lifetime ago for me. Uh, no. I mean, I, obviously I was in college, so, but I couldn't tell you a thing about what was going on when I turned 20. Do not remember that. Mm. Wow. Do but, you? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. It was like yesterday. No. I'll be 26 on August 2nd. Does that seem birthday. old to you? Uh, I feel like I'm, I don't know, you just feel like you are a different person. Not in a bad way, but just like your 20-year-old self, you know, you think about it. You think about your 20-year-old self or your 15-year-old self or or something like that, and you, you realize how much you didn't know then and how much you do know now. Yeah. But Wise, yeah. sage, 26-year-old Caleb is looking back at foolish 20-year-old Caleb yeah, with I see all my gray shaking his head. And just, uh... Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think that's the way growth should work, right? That, like, probably about every five years you should look back at your five-year-ago self and be like, God, what an idiot. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, maybe not in every way, but... Maybe not in every way. Yeah. But I definitely could look back at 30-year-old James or 35-year-old James. I looked back James three years and... ago, and I don't feel like I... God, I'm an idiot. Something yeah, that's why you need a five-year window. Because it's my anniversary this week. Uh, anniversary. Third, uh, third year. Third, third year? year of marriage Complete. to Natalie. Yes. What's our anniversary tomorrow? Tomorrow? Tomorrow. What are you doing? Is it a surprise? Do I get to know? Huh? Just, uh, you tell we me have some things planned. We're going to go up to the mountains for a, nice. a little outdoor day. And Dude, congratulations. Happy anniversary. And my wife, she, her first in terms of uh, a nice evening out, she was like, I think I want some crab legs. <laughs> yeah. Well, those so, are really good in Georgia. <laughs> that, most places. I guess. <laughs> I guess. It was just an interesting... She wanted to be outdoors. Uh, she wanted to eat which crab Which, this legs. reminds me, in real time, I feel pretty stupid about this now. Um, Paul mentioned that it's Scotty's birthday this week. Is Scotty's birthday today or tomorrow? I'm not sure. I don't know Scotty's birthday. You don't know Scotty's birthday? Mm-hmm. I, don't even I feel know bad Scott, because how I, old is I think it might be today. But you would know if Scotty's birthday was your anniversary, right? Like, that would I stick out. I don't know. Do you keep up with all your friends' birthdays? No, not at all. But, like, we did that cohort together for, like, two years together. I, like, oh, yeah, I, Scotty, I mean, so I know I your birthday's October. <laughs> was is that it, a question? It was It was. It, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, an answer. Of, yeah, my birthday's October. That's right. Yeah. Uh but I'm uh, I'm thinking the reason I'm working this out out loud is I talked to Scotty a little while ago and I did not wish him a happy birthday. So I'm hoping it's not his birthday. But well, I think I'm going to call him back that's after a sin this. You need to repent. For. I know. Yeah, birthdays are kind of like I, they're not big deals to me. Like so, I have to sort of force them into a big deal for people for whom they are big deals. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't like our family just didn't make. I mean, like you know, we had a good dinner and like you got to choose dinner and dessert. You know, it's like, yeah. but we weren't big on gifts. Well, you we know, weren't big on huge. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses they refuse to celebrate birthdays. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. Hmm. No birthdays. Huh? No pledge. If you didn't have wages. a reason not to be a J Dub, now you do. <laughs> J Dub. Was that disrespect? I didn't mean to be disrespectful. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if it was disrespectful. Uh, yeah. So did you party? What did you guys do for Memorial Day? We were at my parents'. Uh, did you go swimming? It was a little, honestly, it was it's a little, little cold, chilly. A little chilly, I didn't for really sure. Like getting in the pool, but uh, 
Had some ribs. My dad cooked some ribs. And, nice. Uh, yeah. Smoker, grill, oven. He like, does his grib, his his ribs in a very weird way. Oh, okay. He puts them in a boiling pot, like one of the things you cook a turkey in, like a pressure cooker. Yes, kind of thing. That's what he does. Weird. It's very strange, but they're yeah. good. Uh, I smoked good. a pork butt. Of course, I, it was delicious. Of course, you smoked. And something. I made uh, I made it some homemade mac and cheese that I've never made before, and we had mm. some broccoli salad and coleslaw. And Betsy made Mississippi mud cake. That was the menu. Yeah. Just so you know, so and, that's a good and, party. And culturally, we're gonna say it's summer. <laughs> it's right? definitely summer. It's summer. Jasmine's June twentieth. That's that's we got crazy some hate town. Mail. We got some, James and I got some some fact checking hate mail. Yeah, that's crazy town. On, June twentieth uh, is not the start of June summer. June twentieth being the start of summer. Summer's like halfway over it, June twentieth. Yeah, for sure. It's that's absurd. Yeah, where we where I we, flatly reject that. We're gonna go into Wikipedia and change it because you can do that. Yeah, truth relative. Not cool. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> uh, so you didn't get in the pool. I didn't get in the pool, um, but it was a nice little start to what feels like summer, and mm-hmm. uh, we got a lot of summer stuff coming up in terms of a uh, church and. Uh, do we? I mean, who doesn't? I'm taking a step back a little you bit are. for the summer, so there'll be more to come on that. But More to come. But yeah. Hey, and you're preaching this week. I am. Very excited yes. about this. As Andrew gotta... Hickson likes to say, it's time for the second stream quarterback to get his, uh, <laughs> to get his reps in. Q- QB1's taking a, a seat. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm so I'm grateful. Jimmy, uh, what's his name? What was that guy for, uh, for Brady that went to the... Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy yeah, G. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, no, I'm really grateful and looking forward to it. I enjoy sitting under other people's faithful preaching mm-hmm. and not doing that from time to time. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, any big summer plans in terms of personal vacations or anything? Yeah, we got some plans, but I'm not going to talk about them here. Maybe next week. Okay, maybe next week. Maybe next week. Yeah. I was going to take I'll a vacation. That. There's a a tease for next week's podcast. There's a tease. If that doesn't keep you coming back, I don't know what will. I was going to take a vacation, but I had to buy a car. So there went my vacation money. Well, you got to find cheap ways to vacation, dude. Sure. (laughs) Any any big summer... uh, Dude, you should go stay at your parents' house. It's removed. It's got a pool. Uh, Just go stay there for a couple days. there. Well, certainly they'll... Will they go on vacation? Huh? Um... I don't know. I don't you, know what you need to do is figure out when they're going out of town on a vacation. They just went to the and then you need ago. to go stay at their house for your own vacation. Sure. Sure. But any uh, If not, I'll go take your parents' any house. Any summer for a projects going on at the Rao House? Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a uh, ceiling and staining of the deck on the horizon. Um, Sounds like a backbreaker. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it'll be fine. Uh, on on ba- back related issues. Uh, uh, and then uh, I'm sure just a lot of yard things and you know my mother-in-law is moving in mm-hmm. um so we finished a renovation for her and so that'll be happening and uh i think she's going to the beach this week and then when she comes back from that she'll be moving nice. in full-time officially so nice so we've got that transition coming well i have a lot i have a lot of nerdy things going on yeah but one thing that i've decided to do as a fun way to get me to watch more movies um you know how i don't watch a lot of movies mm-hmm. Yes, because you're culturally unsophisticated. I mean, I just—it's just too much. It's too long. Too too much time. I feel very. If you could watch them at uh, times two speed, like you can listen to podcasts, you uh, could fit it in. No, I don't like that. <laughs> but so I have I've started a a goal of watching every best picture since 1989. 
Why 89? I don't know. I just, that was the one I wanted to start with because that was the one. I have to tell you, this is going to be a um, disappointing endeavor. So the, the, the idea is to track what, what are the things... You can't even do this just to enjoy it, can you? No, I can't. There's, a, there's a del- uh, an agenda. There has to be a blog post. You're going to track is. the Hollywood's moral I'm, activist I'm conjuring streak. my it's... inner Brett McCracken. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but the goal is to track what kind of... What's, what, what are things that, uh, that are similar in terms of best picture? What, what's being pointed out as, as something that... Uh, reasons why this is bad. Obviously, there's quality, right? But the, in terms of storyline, and how does how do the storylines and best picture in terms of narrative change over decades? You're going to try to psychoanalyze the Academy. I am. I am. <laughs> yes. I, I, my, my most recent was Dances with Wolves. Oh yeah, that was a uh, favorite of my my father's. Actually, was it? I've seen that movie too many times to count. You've seen uh, Kevin Costner's sweet Tatanka. <laughs> that was the oh uh, Native gosh. American language for bull, I think, no, or buffalo. buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. Yeah, yeah. It was good. It was long. I, I so the, long. I thought the ending was kind of so long. A letdown. Yeah. It was like it, a very anticlimactic ending. Yeah. It was basically like, uh, yeah. It was. It. I just remember there was a stretch there where Kevin Costner did exclusively slow movies that were four and a half hours in length or something like that. And it was like, it was that just like too much. Academy Awards and yeah, big money. It was too much. It was just like, oh, dude, Kevin, yeah. you're killing me. So there's there's my summer movie plans. Okay, 1989 forward, best yeah. picture. First one I watched was Rain Man a few weeks back. Uh, Rain Man's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Cruise. Dustin Eight Fish Sticks, not four. Eight. <laughs> Jeopardy, it's seven. Yeah. <laughs> Give me more. I can give you a line from every... Well, the next one on the list is Silence of the Lambs. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> Boom, go. Next. Next one is Braveheart. Which line do I want to go with? Every man dies. Not every man ever lives. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a brutal okay. Scottish okay. accent. <laughs> Well, we will. What we'll, else? No, keep no, coming. Well, you got to you got to no, stump me one time before we can move on. I'm sorry, friends. When you get James started on movies, <laughs> give me. He turns into an impersonator <laughs> on all sorts of levels. Come on, do you know the next one? Huh? I don't. I'm. That's that's the only thing I've seen. All right, there we go. I I did it. Um, I stumped. I won. There you go. I don't know what the competition was, but I won. Okay, we'll we'll keep you updated on the Academy Awards. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this ago. up while you uh, do the rest of the intro. But so with this new season um coming in of a mix of things summer school letting out the 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 gate seems to be wide open in terms of uh kind of getting back to normal on uh pandemic related you know restrictions and uh and things our sports stadiums are are back to full capacity man that's Most been fun for me to watch playoff huge. basketball with full stadiums i never realized how yes yes it's like a totally different thing. Uh, so it just feels like we're getting back to normal, but uh, so that means there's a lot of normal things coming back, but also uh, there's new ways of life that maybe we maybe have settled in for some of us post-pandemic that we don't maybe think about a lot, but uh, I'm sure will shape uh, how we move forward both as people and as, as Christians, um, for those of you who are listening. And uh, one of those is how we think about church 
both in a post-COVID age and how we think about church in the flow of uh, every year things, which is summer, vacations, traveling, youth yeah. sports, all things that are kind of just, they are the American way in, 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 in a lot of respects. And mm-hmm. uh, I think they're good to reflect on as we go into summer um, and what our priorities are and how we think about some really tough issues um, that aren't, that we all kind of have to wrestle with and how we, how we navigate. Yeah. Um, navigate our lives, navigate our families, navigate our children, those sorts of things. Yeah. So the, fir- the first thing there would be, uh, before actually diving into those issues, is I wanted to point out the, because of the, the, the way church has forcibly and then uh, just because of the pandemic become a little bit more individualized or maybe warp speed towards uh, individualization of church in a way probably unprecedented before, uh, just in terms of, you know, we were all watching church online exclusively. Um, and so church was done, uh, you know, in terms of the, the sermon and the, and, the, and the worship and those sorts of things in separate spaces, right, as, mm-hmm. a, as a measure. And then, you know, everyone took liberty of when they were going to come back and when they weren't and how we were going to come back and all these sorts of things. Um, I think emphasizing the necessity of the corporate reality of the church and the gospel is something that must be reinserted again and again, especially in time in a time like this, oh, where man. individualization of the gospel and of church is the most natural way forward for yeah. many of us. Yeah, so... Um, I, I think this was a massive point of, um, dysfunction within the American church before COVID happened. Uh, and then you, you use the phrase, I think warp speed, right? Like, and and then COVID happened and it, it just, it went full tilt into this. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, I know people who went through COVID, sampling church every weekend from a few different sources and da 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 and um and it it's almost like the pandemic gave us a built-in excuse to feed an already over over overly individualized mindset it gave us a reason to sort of double down on that and and um, and take that even deeper. And so, man, I think, I think we're deeply, deeply entrenched in the West and in the U.S. in particular in the individualistic mindset of our Christianity that is thoroughly anti-gospel. Yeah. And summer, it's an interesting thing that's happening right now, right? Because now we're heading into, for the first time, we've got all these, like, with the CDC's changes on on man, mask guidelines and all those kind of things a couple weeks ago, um, there is a sense of Memorial Day. I know you saw all over the news this weekend and stuff, this sort of return to normal is happening. Mm-hmm. Whether we should be or not, whether you believe that's the case or not, like it is happening. Yeah, yeah. People are re-entering normal life in a lot of places, certainly in Georgia and in the South. And, mm-hmm. and, and so people are starting to get back to normal, which you would think might include a a re-entry into fully engaged church life, but a re-entrance into normal 
at the start of summer actually made to find people out of church for longer, right? Because now, now they get to travel and they get to vacation and they get to go on trips and they get to do these things. And people are anxious to do that because they've been in some ways, you know, more grounded than, than than in, in times past. So, so I think people are anxious to get away from home. People are anxious to take trips. People are anxious to, um, to break away. And, uh, and that has implications for our church family and for every church family. Right. Yeah. Um, so man, it's a, this is something that I think, yeah, I think we ought, we ought to think through. It's, yeah. It's worth it. So uh, a few years ago, I'm reading an article in Christianity Today, uh, from a pastor in the, what do they call that? The Pacific North, if you like Seattle, what is Pacific that? Northwest? The Pacific Northwest. Um, of a large church, a famous pastor, um, and uh, they had decided to uh, basically move towards becoming an online church mm. as a, as a model of what church will be in the future. Mm. And uh, they were trying to pioneer this, and he was defending this, you know, this move forward in Christianity Today, and it got a lot of pushback, and it was a lot of conversation, but it was like. It was like, this is the way forward, mm-hmm. is what the argument was. Yep. And we're not here yet, but this is the next kind of, of step. Next and I remember thinking to, my, thinking to myself, it's going to take a long time before that becomes the big trend. Yeah, in COVID. And one, I w- I've been shocked by how much that, even before COVID, was at least being the groundwork was being laid for it. Mm-hmm. And then COVID, I think... Uh, Warp speeded it. Yeah, because it forced every church, whether it, like even house churches, could figure yeah. out how to do online an online service of some kind, right? So yeah. you you started to realize not that it didn't take effort and work and stuff, but you realized every church had to figure out, oh, this is actually not that hard. And now I don't know very many churches that aren't going to do it going forward. Yeah, I mean, and and that's a that's not a that's just a reality of, of yeah. history right now, yeah, right? Yeah, for it's sure. like. Think about 15 years ago, the idea that every pastor pretty much in America at this point, from a 20,000-person church to a 25-person church, has their sermons online every week. Yeah. That's a novel thing. That's very new. Yeah. So there's, a, there's, an, there's a, an elevation of kind of uh, the technology and how we're using it and how, what's become status quo as how we do church. Um, but the move towards making a usual uh, functioning of church as an online individualized reality uh, is what's shocking to me. So you have these ideas of having an online campus for a church um, or basically teams at churches that are, their job is to care for online members. And there's like a, there's a shepherding aspect aspect that's now happening in that way. Um, so, th- so there's a normalization of a, a disgathered church becoming what church can be, uh, you know, uh, allowed to function as in a usual way. Mm-hmm. Whereas what the expectation, I think, of many of us was um, is this reality of disgathered church in an online setting is an exception and it's an unusual or an, an un a non-normative reality for a for a special situation. Yeah. Right. Um, which Boy, that's a that's a whole different orientation too, right? Yes. I mean, I've I've heard high level, highly um, influential leaders uh, 
in the church past like leadership world, um, famous, well-known people who have thousands and thousands of pastors who follow them mm-hmm. essentially have said, if you're not ready to do church online going forward, and, and, I, and I don't mean having a service broadcast, I mean care, like accounting for a, a, a virtual membership, so to speak, in all the ways that you would account for a in-person membership, yeah, yeah. then you are not thinking responsibly and you're not thinking in a, a, a culturally current way. Yeah. And, and so I think the part of this goes back to the podcast we did last week where we talked about pragmatism mm-hmm. a, a bit. And, and so I do think there's this part of the American church that tilts towards pragmatism as what drives how we do ministry rather than um, a biblical ecclesiology of how we do ministry and or a biblical philosophy of ministry. And so one of the interesting things there, like I would suggest to you, and I would say from my perspective as a pastor of our church, we decided obviously early on to do the virtual thing and we're continuing to try to do that. We've had some internet issues just in the last two weeks. Yeah, so, yeah. so for the near term, we may not have the live service uh, broadcast going, but we'll be recording it and posting it, you know, ASAP yeah. afterwards. And we're going to try to get the internet stuff fixed. Yeah. But, but we would say that the ability to do that was an inconvenient um it, it was a way to function during It was an never incon- meant to be not primary. Yeah, it was a way to function in a conven- in an inconvenient time. It wasn't a convenience for us. Yeah, yeah. It was an inconvenience to do virtual yeah, church. Yeah. There's a lot of, and, and it's a concession that we made for the moment that we were in mm-hmm. and have been in. It was not a, a comfortable, convenient, yeah. let's do this model going forward. And so I appreciate the technology and the usefulness of it and the... Um, yeah, there's a real use the, for it. I, I mean, mean, people have come important. to our church through it. So there's a, there's a real... Uh, and I think there's a place for it even like, yeah. let's say, as we talk about vacations and trips and stuff like that, if, yeah. if work takes you away or trip takes you away, like how cool is it now that somebody out of town at the beach for a week who left on Saturday and they're coming back next Saturday... They can actually watch the service on Sunday yeah. that they would normally just miss. Yeah. And, and and in in the the in the world we live in today, that's that is a, a way people find churches and hear for sure messages and those sorts of things. I mean, it's, yeah. it, we're not against it, or we wouldn't be not doing it. So yeah, we're, we're paying to do it, right? We're yeah. spending time and money and effort. But to we do want it. to put it in the right bucket. In the right bucket. So here's an example. We want this to be the idea of doing church at home. To be one, it was it was it was a it was a very non usual thing or a non normative thing. I don't. You can make a case there is no such thing as doing church at home, um, but that. But we wanted it to be kind of a, a situational um, circumstance that uh, churches and pastors had to make until we figured this thing out. Yeah. So here's an example. Here here may be a, a parallel. You think about the idea of communion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the normative and biblical way of administering communion, of, of, of taking the Lord's Supper, is being gathered together physically to take it um, in a corporate worship service, mm-hmm. right? That, that's the normative way. Right. There's people who, elderly people who are members of churches, mm-hmm. um, who are maybe in a home now, or maybe they're in a situation of... Uh, of Dire medical issues that they're, mm-hmm. that will that will not be relieved for years, maybe months, and so a pastor goes and administers communion mm-hmm. to them in their 
in their uh, facility or their ho or the hospital or sorts of things. And we're, that's completely okay, but that's a non-normative situation, yeah. right? And An we see the, the distinction rule, so there. We, we, did, we see the distinction there. There's non-normative non patterns. I'll give you another example of something that happened for me. I got a call in April for, uh, from a family member an extended, uh, in our extended family who said, hey, how would you feel or would you be open to performing a wedding for a couple of people you don't know? And under normal circumstances, it was like, it's obviously like it, was a, it would have been an obvious no for me. But um, she, she laid out some of the circumstances surrounding them, and they were, they had, because of COVID, the, the wife was, uh, the husband, the, the man was here in Georgia, in Atlanta. The, the woman was in somewhere in the north finishing her master's degree, but all of a sudden they weren't allowed to be on campus and live where they were and go to school there. So she, had, she was displaced physically, and so the, the, the easiest thing was to come down here where she was going to be getting married and living post-graduate school. And so she moves down here, and they didn't want to live together before being married. Uh, and they were they're, they love the Lord. They want to walk with Jesus faithfully. They want to walk in purity and, and all that. And so they didn't want to live together until. And all the, the circumstances surrounding COVID moved up sort of when they would have an apartment and those kind of things. And they could not do their wedding as planned in mm -hmm. the, it was planned for like late summer or something like that. And it was going to yeah. be a, a, a wedding. They were both from out of this state. So it was going to be a destination wedding on the West coast. All that got blown up. So I hear the story and my heart just went out to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let me just, so I schedule a zoom call with them and I, I talk with them on zoom and got to hear some of their story and just some of their heart. And I was like, would I normally just take, you know, they have a pat. So then uh, they, they had a pastor who was going to do the wedding in late summer. And I got his number and I called him and I talked with him and he goes, man, this would be amazing if you would. And so we talked through the things surrounding it. And so we went and we did a wedding for a handful of friends outdoors in their neighborhood in a gazebo. We zoomed it to, I think, their extended family members across the states and across the, the, the world in numerous different countries. And 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 I didn't know them well. I didn't do premarital counseling with them well. But on the word of another pastor, in the, the special circumstances, I'm like, man, I want to help this brother and sister in Christ to honor Christ. Yeah. And so th that's a non-normative way that I would approach a, a wedding and that kind of thing. But it, the the situation, the circumstances, I think dictated that. You know. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. yeah. So you see the distinction there between the, uh, an exception and a normative practice. Right. Well, what we're seeing and what we don't want people to uh, kind of normalize is the exception becoming the rule. Right. Or the exception or the non-normative uh, situation becoming normative right. um, outside of those circumstances. Yeah. And, and I think the idea of a disgathered church or a virtual uh, disconnected idea of church or even the idea that church is simply me... Uh, maybe just me and my family watching a message individually, worshiping individually, is what constitutes as both being the church and being part of a church worship yeah, service. By definition, the ecclesia is a gathered people, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what the New Testament idea of mm -hmm. the church is, is people gathering together. Yeah, so, let, so let's think through that. So, so when somebody thinks about the church... And we think about it from a New Testament perspective. What are some of the things that the that the Scripture uses and the apostles use to? Most of the time, when they talk about the church, they're giving you some sort of image or a mm. visual, 
Like they use metaphors to yeah. talk about the church a lot because it's yeah. it's a it's an unbelievable spirituality you can't exhaust. Yeah. So they try to put these these words around them or these images around yeah. them. In, it's, a, in some ways. it's a building being built a up, a holy temple being holy, built up in um, living stones. Yep. Yeah, it's uh it's uh, it's a, a body of Christ in First Corinthians. It's yeah. uh, uh, one body, many members. Yes. It, it's uh, a family. Um, yeah. and, and a flock. A flock. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so it's when you think about the church, it's never something that's talked about as an individual reality. Right. Never. Right. It just it, it can't it, Yeah, it's corporate. It cannot mean that. And every image that the scripture tries to use to to give you a a, a mental picture of what it is mm-hmm. involves uh, unity and diversity of parts mm-hmm. into a whole. Right. Which is a which is an unbelievable reality. Um you were going to say something? No, go ahead. And uh, I think what can downplay that a little bit is, and I think COVID exasperates, I mean, I think it pushes this forward, is the prof- kind of a, a professionalized idea of church, mm-hmm. a very big disparity between what uh, the employees of the church are doing as the church and mm-hmm. what the what the members or the or the the uh, attendees are doing of the church mm-hmm. there. And that, that becomes a huge kind of, I don't know, uh, assumption in an idea or, mm-hmm. or a, a season of COVID where in a lot of ways, what, what, what people were doing to serve the church, the only people that could do that were the employees and the people who <laughs> had the, the ability to do things like tech or, uh, or a worship leader or a pastor who's preaching. And so everybody else feels like they're a spectator, right? Um, which I feel like was a problem before in terms of kind of the professionalization of church yeah. in some ways. Um, as, you know, it's all kind of focused on the front. Right. Uh, that gets extremely kind of highlighted in a COVID era where, where we're trying to come out of this non-normative idea of church. But those kind of sticking points still uh, mm-hmm. linger in our minds. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we have to contend for um, per- a participatory approach to church rather than a performative approach to church and um, and where the few do these things and everybody else kind of sits back and is on the receiving end, so to speak. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and you use the word spectator. Um, uh you know, another image that we've often talked about within generations is we want the church to be a battleship, not a cruise ship, right? Yeah, so we yeah. don't want it to be where a few people are doing all the work to entertain everybody else and everybody else is just kind of enjoying the ride. Um, and uh, rather we want it to be a place where people have responsibilities and, and are engaged and, and, and contribute to the functionality of the whole. And um, I think that would be a far more uh, in line with biblical imagery that we just kind of cataloged a little bit of and... Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, so I think, I think we have to be deliberate right now at just our church level, uh, mm-hmm. as well as I think the church on the whole, every local church has to be deliberate right now that we're in a, we're in a vulnerable season of, we are about to, like, we've had a really interesting thing happen. Church had its sort of whatever became normative within the church at large and then the, every local church. Um, and then, COVID blew it all up. So it's giving mm-hmm. us, it sort of forced us to rethink some things and gives us permission to re restructure, reorder, <clears throat> rebuild the church at the organizational level mm-hmm. or something like that. And in, in terms of how we structure things and, uh, and how we operate. And, 
Uh, and so now we're coming out of all that, and now it's go time again in a sense. Yeah. And the question is, are we going to settle back into the way things were? Are we going to go deeper into that sense of con- uh, of spectator-like approach to church? And um, are, are we going to, to, to reorient some things? Um, are we going to do less uh, with more intentionality? Are we going to do more? Um, are we going to be more program-centric or... Uh, you know, just all those, those are all questions that every church is having to ask right now and, and to think through. And, um, and I think we're at a, at a place where the individual members of churches have to reevaluate what place does church play in our lives. Not only in a way that highlights their, their need to be there, mm-hmm. but also that highlights that they are needed. Oh my goodness. In a, yeah. in a huge way. And not just in a, well, there's some things I could be doing, you know, uh, uh, in terms of uh, logistics or something like that, in yeah. terms of what the church is and how the church grows into the image of Christ um, is so much bigger than the couple people that are on stage on Sundays. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to look quickly at, at 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul is dealing with uh, what I would call the little people idea. <laughs> um, the Corinthian church had more problems than we could talk about today. But one of their big problems was they overemphasized certain talents or gifts um, in the church, and they overemphasized certain people who were were of higher status or uh, independence. Mm -hmm. There was a group of people who thought uh, that these gifts are more important, and there was a group of people who were a little bit more elite who thought, I'm independent enough financially, socially, culturally, I don't really need some of the lower members of my church. They may need me, but I don't really need them. Right. Um, and that was that was that was that was an attitude in both gifting and in people mm-hmm. that they were that they were going after. So Paul's about to talk about some of this stuff. He kind of goes back and forth between those two ideas of people and gifts. But First Corinthians twelve verse twelve, he really brings out one of the metaphors, the corporate metaphors that we were just talking about um, on the body. He says. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And then he goes on to give these different examples of, of how you can't have just one uh, you can't just have one body part to be a body. You have to have multiple body parts. But the, the one that's really important here is verse 21. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, hmm. nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on the, those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestowed the, greatest, the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater Modesty, which are presentable parts, do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there mm. may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Mm. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. That's beautiful. It's an unbelievable statement. Yeah. It's an unbelievable statement. The, the idea that that 
not only are you interdependent, mm-hmm. that you, you are a part, and a part cannot function as a whole. You have to have the other parts. But the parts that you find weaker are actually the ones that need to be greatest. And you, you, I love that. He says, man, those who are, we think less, or those who we think seem to be weaker are indispensable. Yeah. Look, our church and every church has in it members who are quiet, meek, introverted. They feel like they don't really bring a lot to the table. They don't feel like they're able to serve in a meaningful way or contribute in a meaningful way. And they kind of lie low and sit in the background and, and they enjoy going and they maybe feel like a part of things, but they think, I'm not, I don't really have a role to play here. Mm. Or if I wasn't here, it wouldn't really change anything. Yeah. And Paul is blowing that notion up. I yeah. mean, he's just setting like, like C4 to that idea. So the, the, the imagery that he's trying to give us here, first with the weaker members, is he's talking about your guts. Mm. He's talking about your guts. He's talking about your inner intestines, which mm. we don't really think of about, but try to live without your intestines. <laughs> Seriously, try, try, try to think about the strongest, biggest person you can ever think of physically with this imagery that Paul's given you. Without the intestines, nothing can function. Like There, there mm-hmm. can be no life. And then he talks about the, the unpresentable parts. Mm-hmm. He's talking about genitals. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the parts that we most are most unseen are our most precious because we we guard them the most. Mm-hmm. You guard your private areas more with more clothing and more uh, caution than any area of your body because it's precious to you. Because if something happens to those parts, you'll be in more pain than if you stub your toe. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's turning these ideas of, well, these parts, they're really unnecessary as the the ones that are actually making the rest of the more presentable parts uh, uh, more functionable or mm-hmm. actually being able to live. And I think one of the things Paul's is showing us to do is the idea of even trying to define who's a weaker part or who's a better part or who which part you are to hierarchy it, it is part of the, the thing he's trying to blow up. Right. Because it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant to know if you're if right. you're the unpresentable part or if you're the 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 the, the weaker member, those sorts of things, because there's there's no sort of hierarchy. If you, if you want a hierarchy, those parts are better. Mm-hmm. So trying to define them is actually putting those people above yourself. Right. And and, and and like man, the yeah, what he's saying is the he's he's affirming the essentialness of every member of the body to the body, and 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 the the idea it, it's the idea that you could take any member of the body and sever it from the body or remove it from the body and that the body could still function the same yeah. way and is, that the and that the member now disembodied member do, yes. of the body could function in any healthy way like th- th- we need that image the metaphor breaks down it doesn't work we cannot function in a healthy functional way alive in Christ uh, as a church, without each member doing their part, and we cannot function as a disembodied member of the body of Christ without the body, yeah, and without being attached yeah. to the body. So what does this look like practically? One thing that, that really has been helpful to me, because it, it's easy to say this, everybody matters, you know? The world says that, you know? It's like, but do we actually believe it? Do, right. Does it actually, does that mindset that, that every member in this church, from our six-year-old girls... Mm-hmm. 
to our elders are equally vital to the health of my spiritual life. Do I believe that? Do I, do I believe that? I think that's one thing that, that's hard to think about. And uh, my New Testament professor at, at seminary models this in a way I've never seen a man model before. This guy, two PhDs, one in inorganic chemistry, the other in New Testament early papyri. And uh, for the record, I only have two less than that. <laughs> <laughs> two less than that. That was good. That was good. Um, but he, he says, when I go to church on Sunday mornings, I make our family pray for God to help us believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside of every single person that's a member of our church and that I need to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. And so it doesn't matter if it's a six-year-old girl or if it's the pastor from the pulpit. There is something that the Holy Spirit is doing corporately through all of these people gathering together that I need, and mm. they need it from me. Yeah. Now, what the cool thing about that story is he also has a few dis, uh, sons and daughters who have disabilities. Mm. And um, he tries to, you know, that, that's really hard to deal with in church and those sorts sure. of things. But he said he had to come to the realization that my son is a Christian, and he's vital to this church. And people need to hear what he prays and sings and says about Christ to the other members, hmm. because he's one of this—he's he's one of these members of this body, and they need him, and and I need him. I need to hear what my disability, uh, my disabled son, has to say through the Spirit of Christ. Hmm. So coming into our worship service with an expectation that God is working by His Spirit corporately, through all of us, in our relationships, yeah. in our words of encouragement, in our prayers, in watching each other worship, is just as vital and, as the songs on the screen. And you don't get any of that if you stay virtual. I agree. Right? Like, yeah. there's something about, man, my heart uh, being in the, the room with even, let's say, 70 or 80 of our brothers and sisters hearing them sing seeing their faces, seeing them love on each other. We got to see uh, this last weekend. I mean, I just, my heart just was so n nourished by seeing David and Danielle Caro uh, here. They're, you know, two weeks into being new parents and, and their son Titus with them. And then Chris uh, Beard uh, and Mary with their son Calvin right in front of them. And mm -hmm. like, like you don't get to see that if you're virtual. You don't get to see the new life that God's bringing into our church. You don't get to see these new parents like loving and on and holding their kids and get to go see these beautiful little babies. You don't get to interact with the children of other families and watch your kids interact with them. And you don't get to um, to take the Lord's Supper together as a corporate family yeah. of God. Yeah. Um, there's all these different things. And like, man, I learned how to worship in the corporate gathering of God's people yeah. where I saw men and women worship. Yeah. Right. And, and I learned how to sit and listen to a sermon and take notes in the corporate gathering of the church. And, yeah. um, and, and I learned to serve within that corporate gathering mm -hmm. as a young, you know, person and yeah. uh, as well as to be taught and to, to, um, to, to fellowship and interact. And so there's just all these different dimensions, excuse me, uh, that, Man, you don't get that if you stay in yeah. your living room on the couch with your PJs on watching things online. So what we're saying is if, if all you think the activity of the church is, particularly in a worship service, is 
exclusively something that you passively receive, mm-hmm. then you're missing the full fruits of what the church has to offer. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, there's a lot of bad ways to talk about how people matter that elevates people over God in, in certain ways. But I think Paul is making a clear statement here that you matter, and you matter here, and you matter right. in a way that the Holy Spirit can only fully operate in the most biblically healthy way yeah. by you being together and offering yourself to others as they offer themselves mm-hmm. to you. Yeah, so like another another idea of coming to the church with that mindset that I, I need to see the Spirit of God, hear the Spirit of God ministering to me through my brothers and sisters, but also coming with that mindset of the Spirit of God is alive in me. And he might give me a way of encouraging a brother or sister today just by simply smiling at them and giving them a hug and saying, how are you? Like there, there's going to be people in our church that need that this week. Yeah. There's going to be people who you might hear how they're doing and the, the Spirit's going to prompt you to, you need to pray for them, not, not this week, like right now. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be um, people uh, who, who maybe just share you know, that they're down and you get to offer a word of encouragement. Um, uh, there's going to be children you know, there who you might get to serve or interact with and, 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 and who you get to, um, call out the best in them and affirm them. And there's going to be beleaguered, worn out parents who need to be reminded, like, you know, that, that, um, their labors are not in vain. And man, there's just all these things. So it's what we can bring to the building up and the edification of the body. And there's what we get to receive as as individual members of the body who also come in need of the others. And, and all of those things are so important. And, and I want to, let's, so let's bring this back around. So we're, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to wait on the, the other issues next week. Cause we just got too far into oh, really? just talking about the church. We're not gonna, uh, okay. I was going to try to bring it back around to those things and going, um, so this summer when we think about things mm-hmm. like vacation and yeah. we think about things like time off and, um, you were talking about like sports leagues and mm-hmm. how does that stuff interact with Sunday mornings. One of the things that, that um, I just like, <clears throat> we don't get to take breaks from being Christians, yeah. <laughs> brothers. And so, like, that's yeah. not a, hey, 50 weeks of the year we're a Christian and we get two weeks of vacation from work or four weeks of vacation from work. And we get that from Christianity too. Yeah. Which does not mean you can't not attend a Sunday, mm-hmm. right? It's just to, to go, man, we cannot see ourselves as... expendable for any period of time to the church. And so when we plan trips, when we plan time away or time off and those kinds of things, it's like everything else. We want to consider the impact on our church family of that and the impact of uh, maybe not being around our church family on us. And we want to plan some ways. We We want to account for those things. We want to take that seriously because... The scriptures take it seriously and instruct us to take it seriously. Yeah. And so we want to see ourselves as this interconnected piece of this bigger body and and recognize that our... and So that has practical implications. Maybe that's what you want to get into next week. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's enough to say today, this week, like, don't go into this summer um, without recognizing that in any return to normalcy... Um, we want to think in terms of biblical normalcy. normalcy. We want to be assimilated not to the culture in which we live, but assimilated to a kingdom culture uh, that's lived Christianity. And so that that does not mean no vacations, Mm -hmm. no Sundays away, that kind of thing. 
but it does mean that we are inexpendable to the body of Christ. And that's true in summer after a pandemic when we're worn out and exhausted as much as it uh, uh, applies to any other time. Yeah. And that the unfortunate kind of space we've had to live in as it's gradually gotten better, but particularly last year, um, which has been a very individualized uh, kind of reality of how we interact with God, mm-hmm. um, that that is not normal. Right. And that needs to change uh, because it's easy, for it, it's easy for it not to. It's easy for that to just become the rhythm that kind of carries into the rest of your life. Yeah. And I have one fear and one hope attached to that. My fear would be that people, um, introverts especially, Mm-hmm. endured COVID with maybe a greater degree of ease than extroverts did. Yeah, I'm sure. Yes, and that sure. you seem, you know, something, you know, economically the government did a stimulus package and maybe mm-hmm. your job held up and you actually came out better economically. Uh, yeah. Your your marriage is fine. Your, your mental health is fine. And you seem like you haven't wandered from the faith in any real way. And so you look at it and you go, oh, I did this for a year and I'm fine. And so I could settle into that being the norm. Like if you're fine, Number one, you may not be as fine as you think you are, mm-hmm. right? Number two, if you're fine, what a grace from God. There's a lot of people who aren't coming out of that season. Yeah. And so rather than take that as a, this is the new way to live, right? But So my fear would be that people would settle into this and go, well, I got used to this. It works for me. And so that's enough. And so they just keep doing it. My hope for it would be people realized over a year going, man, I missed God's people and I mm-hmm. missed being a part of a church and I missed being with the church gathered and I missed serving and I missed singing and, 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 and I missed not just Sundays, but I missed the regular normal rhythms of life together yeah, as the yeah. people of God that have nourished and, and nurtured my, my health and well being and my soul for however long, you know, before that. So yeah. my hope is that we would sense the, Oh, like I need that. Yeah. Yeah. So our last word here, the church needs you and you need the church. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll talk about some how we navigate just natural rhythms of seasons and kids' sports and families and vacations next week since we got a little carried away with <laughs> well, you know, just the reality of the gathered yeah. church. And I did look up, just for the record, uh, um, oh, no. Best Pictures. Oh, no. And you, you missed Driving Miss Daisy somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah I did miss it. 1990. I got to go back and watch it. And, and you missed Unforgiven. And I got nothing from either of those, but I'll tell you, Forrest Gump, I do. I've got some Forrest Gump. Like that will, if you do anything, Lieutenant right now, Dan Ice Cream. That's a good summertime quote. I had a great ending in that podcast. A, a pithy <laughs> little quote could have been the title of the episode. And you, what just, was the Tom Hanks? What, what's your ending? Uh, the church needs you, and you need the church. There, now we got your ending. There I go. All right, we'll see you all next. <laughs> week. Have a good week.